Welcome to 24 Shades of Blue, Missing Persons Edition. I'm your host, Andy O'Brien. In 1988, 16-year-old Amber Potts was reported missing by her mother and stepdad. She was last seen in her hometown of Etobicoke, Ontario. Amber had a history of leaving home, but always kept in touch with her family and friends. She was last seen by her parents hitching a ride with a stranger and has been missing ever since. Sitting with me in the studio today to discuss the case is Detective Sergeant Steve Smith of Toronto Homicide and Missing Persons Unit. How you doing, Steve? Good, Andy. Thanks for having me back. Good. My pleasure. Um, I think the first to set the stage here, um, can you tell us the events that led up to Amber's disappearance? Absolutely. It was 1988. It was uh, late fall. She's a 16-year-old girl. She was involved in the sex trade um, in the Scarborough area of Toronto. Uh, she had a good relationship with her mother, but she... She, was, she wasn't living there. She was living out on her own. She may have had some substance abuse problems. Um, and unfortunately, sometime in November-ish, um, Amber stopped conversing with her mom, which was almost a daily occurrence. So in December, her mother called Toronto police and, and reported her as missing. So it was definitely out of the norm. And, and so how would you describe Amber's appearance and overall character? I mean, she was described as a good kid. I mean, she was obviously she was having some issues. She wasn't living at home. She was only 16 years old. She was working in the sex trade. Um, she may have had some substance abuse issues that, that, that triggered that, um, certain boyfriends, um, obviously didn't help her out. There were times where she'd travel the country. She'd be calling from Montreal, Niagara Falls, BC, but she'd be checking in with her mom on a regular basis. But unfortunately, she's traveling the country with with unknown people. So um, there's a lot of options here of what could have happened to Amber. So she was not in one place all the time. She was constantly traveling and, and kind of made it hard to figure out exactly where, you know, she might be. At any given time. That's right. I mean, pretty much Toronto was her home base, Scarborough, basically. But she did travel all over the country. And and we don't really know. I mean, could she have gone south? Could she have gone into the U.S.? Could she have gone to, to a different country? There, there's, there are those options. And Steve, how would you describe Amber's physical appearance? Well, she was a 16-year-old girl. So she was built like a teenager, slight in build, small in stature. She had uh, dirty blonde to brownish hair. Um, some of the pictures that we have are more of her school pictures than her pictures of when she was living more on the streets. So she may have been a little more disheveled. She may have looked a little older than her 16 years old, but she had the, the dirty blonde brownish hair, slight build, small in stature. If you could recall, what was she, uh, wearing the last time that she was, uh, was seen? I don't recall exactly what she was wearing, but, um, she had a tight network of friends, so they would have known basically what she was wearing that day. She was last seen at a uh, a motel out in Scarborough, so she was probably living there, um, probably a little bit into the uh, the nefarious network um, of the Scarborough motels out on Kingston Road, and um, we're not really sure where she disappeared to. And when was the last time she was seen, approximately? So according to one of her friends, it was late November, and that's probably a variable time frame. I mean, you know how it is sometimes with people that are, are a little bit transient in nature. People aren't always checking in unless it's family or a close friend. They aren't always checking in to know exactly where people are on a, on a daily basis. So, But we believe that she was seen at a Scarborough motel in late November. And then her mom reported her on December 5th. Now, we also have information that she was seen getting into a vehicle. That would match up with the things she did on a daily basis, right? Whether it was her boyfriend 
um, slash maybe somebody that was pimping her out or whether it was a trick that she was joining up with, even though she had the hotel, she might've went out, um, went to someone's home, went to another motel. We're not really sure what happened, um, but it would have, it would have made sense that she did get into a vehicle. Is there any vehicle description? at all at that point in the things that she is doing it was a regular occurrence for her to get into a vehicle so people weren't really taking notice of where she was going and what she was doing at those times um and i mean unfortunately in 88 we didn't have the uh, proliferance of video that we have now whereas now if someone goes missing or someone we track them to the last place that they were seen and we're able to use video to determine if they got into a vehicle, if they got onto transit, where they went, the direction of travel, those sort of things. But we didn't have that in uh, 1988, unfortunately. You know, there's video, like you say, everywhere, um, even on all the major highways as well. Um, the other the other thing that um, we'd also heard is that there was an ultimatum given to Amber. Can you speak to that? Her mom was trying to get her back, right? But they did have a, a good relationship. So her mom wanted her to come back and, and live with her and, and live the life that, that her mom wanted for her. Um, unfortunately, as we know, with substance abuse problems, it's really not that easy until the, until the person decides themselves that they want to get healthy and they want to live a life free of drugs, any sort of ultimatum is not going to work. It's, it's just going to push them further away. So in this case, you, we don't really know, was there foul play involved? Did she just wander off and have we not been able to find her body or is she living somewhere else? Did she take up with someone? Um, did she meet maybe a, a, a client that she meshed with and they decided to take off to Mexico? We don't really know. And those, those are the hardest things with missing persons cases is if you don't have evidence to follow, um, it's, it's a bit of a guessing game. It's really a needle in a haystack trying to determine what happened. Yeah, it's a lot of speculation. Um, obviously, we like to follow evidence, um, but sometimes you don't have evidence in these cases when people just disappear. Was there any type of uh, individuals that were, uh, that were pondered at that time that could have potentially been involved? We haven't really had a, uh, a number of serial killers in and around Toronto. Uh, thankfully, but as far as um, seriously serious sexual offenders or serial sexual offenders, uh, the eighties and nineties, um, there were a lot of them because, as we said, I mean, there wasn't the tracking, there wasn't the the video on every corner, there wasn't the uh, tracking of cell phones, there wasn't the tracking of uh, cards. So people were able to move around a little easier. They were able to get away with these sort of things. Um, a random pickup, a random sexual assault. Well, your vehicle's not on video. Uh, you're not on video getting in and out of your vehicle in certain places or meeting up with people. Uh, the sex trade workers now have the option of standing in places where there is video so if they are picked up if something does happen to them that person and that vehicle are on video it, it, it may be video on the street but it's still there and they're aware of this these are safety precautions that they take if there was a pimp involved i know that there was a, has there ever been a, a pimp brought uh for questioning um you know and did they have any contact with her days before or or that day that she hitched a ride is there any type of person in question there everybody that knew her in this case was questioned whether they spoke to us or not is really their option and how truthful they are again 
is is questionable, right? Unless we have evidence to prove that what they're saying is untrue, we don't really have the ability to go any further with them. If this is a statement they're providing and they're saying that they hadn't seen her, they hadn't been with her, and we aren't able to prove that as, as a lie, we don't have anywhere to go with that. So we try to just follow the evidence and see what we do. But we talk to everybody, every person that knew her, every person that came in contact with her. Any one of those individuals have a connection with this, do you think? It's difficult because, I mean, the people that, that were talking talking about that she was associating with while it was a tight group of friends. I mean, they all did live on the edges, right? There, there's all things there that they don't really want the police to know about what they're up to and what they're doing. So it's tough to determine, are they being honest in what they're telling us or are they hiding something in order to protect something that they may have done in the past or the future? It's tough to figure that out. You, you really have to get in and you really have to talk to the people and try to use all the different interviews kind of put them together to develop a, a theory. And this one, we, we really aren't sure what happened to her. Uh, we haven't been able to find any trace of Amber, unfortunately. And I mean, it, it's been 34 years now yeah. and nothing. I mean, with all the building of houses and everything that we've done in and around the GTA, you would think that if she did um, get killed or, or was murdered, that we would have been able to find her body somewhere. Um, but we still haven't found her body. Um, so we don't know if she is dead or if she is alive. It's There's a lot of options still. And this is where it kind of goes back to when we do the cold case together. You know, the, the solving of this case is going to be, it's really going to come down to the public's involvement and coming forward and anything that they remember um, about this case or Amber specifically um, to help kind of bring closure for this case, either find Amber uh, or recover her remains. What, what's your thoughts on, on uh, you know, the, the public coming forward to help solve this case? Oh, I think we've discussed it a number of times before, as you said, in our other uh, podcasts, but changes in relationships are huge. So people that may have been in that sort of lifestyle at the time, living with uh, Amber, working with her, maybe just in the same social circles, they may have moved on. They may be uh, married with kids, working a, a straight day job, and they may remember something. So we're hoping that these podcasts actually trigger someone's memory to this. And it's, you know, it, it could be something that that they haven't thought of. It's been over 30 years and this could trigger their memory to say, I was there at that time and I actually know who she got in with or who she was last with. It may have been something that they weren't willing to talk to the police about at the time because maybe they had a warrant outstanding or you just don't know what the, the situation was, but they may be more willing to come forward today. And our, you know, once again, just to kind of double down a little bit on what you were saying there, our, our final ask, you know, to the public is to, to really help bring closure for this case. There's family members who are um, you know, are still deeply saddened and troubled that there's no resolution here. So a final ask to the public, what would it be? Let's find Amber wherever she is, whether she's alive or whether she's deceased. Either way, let's find her. Let's close this case. And as you said, let her family find out what happened. I mean, I think sometimes it's, it's even worse to not know what happened than to know the finality of a result. This is a, a case that's been, you know, decades. And the only way that this case is going to get solved is if the public step up 
either if somebody was involved with this directly uh, or they know of somebody that was involved with this um, to please get in touch with Toronto Police or the Obi and Act Show to help bring closure to the family. That's really the way that we're going to solve this. Uh, there's a number of ways that they can get a hold of us anonymously or they can contact yourself, they can contact myself, whatever they feel comfortable with. But that's really what we're asking of the public. So we hope that someone that's listening to this can provide us some sort of closure. Thank you very much for being here, Steve. Thanks for having me, Andy. Thank <laughs> you.